Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz here with me. Rutgers preview. Maybe the, uh, well, maybe the most serious Rutgers preview we've we've ever done. Uh, but, of course, if you like this podcast, you like other podcasts uh, from the Michigan Insider, we have a recruiting podcast and a basketball podcast. And we write stories Um over 300 stories a month over at the michiganinsider.com, michigan.247sports.com. We got a newsletter. We have a message board. Uh, lots of ways to stay informed on Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. So we're following our typical preview format where Steve and I will take turns discussing something Michigan should be concerned about, something Michigan can feel good about, um, players to watch on both sides of the ball, maybe players we're just keeping a closer eye on. Uh, hunches for the game, over-unders, and then our final prediction for the matchup. So, Steve, let's start. Well, let's let's get these Michigan fans in a, in a good place. What is something Michigan uh, fans or Michigan, the team itself, can feel good about heading into this weekend? Weekend trip to Rutgers. The Scarlet Knights are definitely improved uh, from seasons past, but what is something you're seeing in this matchup that you think Michigan maybe especially compared to Wisconsin can breathe a little bit of a sigh of relief about. Uh, yeah. Um, probably it's like, I think Michigan can win the battle on both sides of the line of scrimmage on Saturday, which is something they haven't done since against Minnesota. So, I mean, that's a good start, I guess. I think maybe Saturday could be an opportunity for this young offensive line to kind of, you know, maybe build a little bit of confidence mm-hmm. going forward for the rest of the season, which again, you got to think depending on Mayfield and Hayes could be five, the five new could be five totally new names or the, the guys who've never started a game before this season. Again, I think getting these guys reps and building their confidence for this year. Yes. But even going into next year, I think is, is, I mean, we are at that point. I feel like where, a lot of this is like long-term investment as far as these young players getting reps and, and trying to have good experiences and good games to build some confidence uh, for the stretch run here and then heading into next year. So that'd be one thing, I suppose. And I think the better you, the line play is, the more effective whoever's under center will be. So, and whoever's running the football will be. And um, so, you know, could be an opportunity for Michigan's offense to maybe build a little bit more confidence back up. Yeah. Well, I just, because you took the offense, I'll take the defense. But I, I agree with the general principle. I think this is a game where uh, Michigan can actually find out what its identity is. The more I think about it, and this is not, you know, we, we've had hours upon hours of podcasts outlining why this is not an excuse or not excusable. But the more I think about it, the more I think this is um, Michigan never really got a game to figure out what its identity was going to be. I think the Michigan state game should have been that because it was looking back, probably a game Michigan should have won. Uh, But, you know, I think some teams, they go into the season, they know exactly what they're going to be as the last two weeks have shown me. I don't think Michigan was one of those teams that's on the coaches and that's probably on the players a little bit as well. But you know, teams that don't know necessarily right away usually get a few weeks to figure it out. You know, whether it's the non-conference games or a couple Big Ten laughers, maybe they lose one game along the way. But I think back to like that 2018 team, they, they I don't think they really knew what they were going to be that year or knew what they should be or how they were going to win. And I think it took them after that Notre Dame loss. I think it took I think it took them until that Northwestern um, very close win. I think that's when they kind of started to figure it out. And so they had a few games to figure it out. I I think Michigan's defense is, you know, since you took the offense, brought up some good points. I think this is a game where they can figure out, okay, got a lot of new people on the defensive line. 
here's how they here's how they figure out how to be um, what they what they can be snap to snap. You know, the linebacker position, not a lot of newness, uh, but maybe maybe they can figure out okay who's good in this situation, who's good in that situation. Because so far it's mostly been, especially on the defense side of the ball, everybody screws up at some, you know every every three plays each level of the defense is going to screw up something. And, and then I think, you know, especially the cornerbacks felt like they had a better week last week. Honestly, didn't think they were completely terrible against Indiana. I thought there were some mistakes. I didn't think it was a complete um, meltdown. And so this is another chance for, you know, Vincent Gray. I think everybody can agree. He, whether he's going to be an all big time player or not, I think everyone can agree. He is, capable of playing better than he has. You know, Jamon Green, um, relatively new to the college game. He even admitted this week, you know, there were, he, he probably, he wishes he could have been able to better prepare, um, you know. And so I think it's a, this is a game where Michigan's defense can start to find an identity a little bit. I, I don't know if they'll necessarily come out of Saturday's game in better or worse shape, but they'll have an opportunity. Rutgers offensive line, is okay at best. You know, their quarterback, Noah Vidral, is okay at best. You know, he's not he's not going to torch Michigan. Uh, I do think they have some nice skill players, but it's just, I think Michigan's defense can, one, build confidence. Two, I think if they're going to find an identity, I think Saturday's game is an opportunity um, because they get to they get to kind of control things. They're not going to be, on their heels trying to figure out what to do against a Wisconsin jet sweep. They're not going to be on their heels trying to figure out how to, um, I, I kind of chuckle as I say this, but stop the passing attack of Michigan state or, or trying to figure out how to, what to do about, you know, Michael Penix having such a good game. And so um, it's an opportunity. I'm not sure that they necessarily will find an identity or they will build confidence there is a very real possibility, Steve, I'm sure you'd agree, this could be a game where Michigan loses some confidence. Even if they win, uh, it might be it might be in trouble uh, in, in the sense of they might not find the answers that they're looking for. Uh, kind of speaking of that tone, what is something Michigan has to be concerned about heading into this matchup? Uh, I, I think it's still, to me, the biggest thing still comes down to that their interior line hasn't taken any real steps forward since the beginning. Defense or offense? Defense, sorry. Yeah, well, well I mean, you know, you know, be, yeah, we're in a tough situation. Just, <laughs> you could argue, yeah, it could could be both, I guess, again, right? So, um, yeah, so that's why I said. So, I, on the, on, it's almost like a two-sided coin. I'm going both kind of similar things here. You know, it's like I think this is a game where Michigan's trench play can build some confidence because it is, you know, an opponent that they they should be able to have some success against didn't say dominate, but should be able to have some like tangible success against. And then the fear would be the the opposite is that this is, they're just not good on the interior on either. So we'll say either side of the ball, mm-hmm. you know, and that, you know, that we're in a situation where they're really going to struggle to slow down opposition's run games and then by and large the passing game, if that's the situation we're looking at a situation. Now you look at Wisconsin last week, ran for over 300 Michigan's been gashed both ways now this season. Yeah. You know? And so it's, it's, that's not a good recipe for success (laughs) to know that now, again, Wisconsin might be a top five team for all we know, but right. Either way. Wisconsin at, at, by the end of the game did, did not really have to worry about throwing the football. And when you're having teams that are beating you. However with, they want. Yeah, yeah. With one, they're, they're voluntarily tying one hand behind their back and saying, okay, well we can beat this team by just dropping back and chucking it deep. Like Michigan state did, or we can just run the ball down their throats. Like Wisconsin did. You know, I think this is a game where we'll know if, if there is something maybe there to look forward for the future. On the, but I think the interior of both lines is really the first spot I would look. You know, Vistardis, I think, struggled against Wisconsin. You know, I think Donovan Jeter was another guy really struggled against Wisconsin. Um, you know, be interesting to see 
if and how those guys rebound if you know if they can do it against Rutgers. Yeah, I I agree. I think that is the the interior of both lines. Um, it's kind of maybe that's like the perfect example of what we've been trying to the the point we've been hammering home about. Does Michigan kind of brush aside or overlook its problems in practice? Because everyone knew three new interior line starters when I think two of the three are starting in the NFL right now on the offensive side of the ball and the defensive side of the ball, they are still, I mean, they weren't, they weren't good enough last season and they, there wasn't uh, you know, swooping in transfer or anything. So um, two areas that were circled as concerns by us and others before the season. And they have not been, they've not been uh, answered. They haven't found the answer there. I'm going to go with maybe the cliche, but, but I, I think there's a, there's a real concern. Michigan's going to self combust. Yeah. I, I really, um, I really think that this is a Michigan's in a very precarious situation right now, because you could, are is there anyone on the team that you are, you can say with absolute certainty, they should be the starter. I, right now, on either Ronnie side Bell, of the ball, I was just going to say Ronnie, Ronnie Bell, Bell would be the first guy I would think of. Brad Robbins, Dax Hill, I think it's had a whether yep. I don't care what the box score says. I think he's had an amazing few yep. weeks. I agree. Um, probably Jamon Green. Yeah. I mean, the, you could talk to me to Mike Barrett. That's but that's it. That's yeah. the entire list. Every other position group, you could say ah, I could see there being a position battle, and and that can be. That's that you can live with that. I mean, they're one in three. Of course, everyone's going to look kind of shaky, uh, but that really puts a big that that leaves very little margin for error for coaches this week. I mean, if they guess wrong on the game plan or if Rutgers comes out and takes a 14 nothing lead. I think you could absolutely see a team that's just in disarray, you know, where there's you have because then you start running into the problems where. There's tension in the locker room. There's frustration. There's a lack of confidence, not only in a player themselves, but in their teammates. You know, there's a lack of confidence in the game plan and the coaching. I I think, I think this had to be Michigan's best week of practice of, of coaching practice, or else I think there's a very real chance of self-combustion. Plus, I mean, there are some legitimate position battles that, we know about that could create a divide and, and quarterback probably being the main one. And so right now, I mean, we've talked about it. Five of their six best players, arguably their top five players out with either injury or opt out. We don't know if they'll play a couple of them could play Saturday. I, I, I personally don't know. I mean, this is kind of a rudderless team. And so if, if the if things get wavy to follow the the rudder metaphor, it could go in a in a variety of directions. If if the waters get rough in Piscataway, and so I think, you know, I think on paper I have a really hard time. I there's always that narrative. Rutgers has improved. Um, I have a really hard time seeing Michigan losing this game, except if Michigan just really has continues to look lost. Like they don't, they don't, they weren't prepared for what Rutgers could do schematically. They weren't prepared for what, um, you know, what Rutgers defense looks like. And if that's the case, then I think, I mean, I, I really think there's a chance Michigan loses. And I think there's a real chance Michigan doesn't win until 2021 in that scenario. So, because I, you know, Rutgers, they, they lost in the, in the final seconds to Illinois, Illinois was playing on the road. They haven't looked good at all this season. They lost to Minnesota 49 or 41 to 14. I think it was, um, you know, Rutgers did not, was not really close. I think they technically made it close against Indiana. Um, but it was not a game that anyone, Indiana was never in danger of losing that game. This is a this is a team Michigan should beat by double digits. And so whether or not they do, I think will tell us a lot about 
you know, the narrative has, does Michigan, does Jim Harbaugh still have the locker room? Does Don Brown still have the locker room? I think those narratives start to come into play. If you see a lot of mental mistakes, that's been a common theme. Those would be fair questions though. Don't you think if they come out and look lost? So, so. yeah, Yeah. I mean, how do you, how do you not? I mean, they'd have to be, they're already with it. Cause like, I think, I think the fear here on Saturday is, that they come out flat again and that they think they come out flat, that they're going to fold even against a lesser opponent. And I think you've already seen signs of them looking. And I know Harbaugh has kind of said to the contrary, he doesn't think the energy and that stuff is an issue, but we've talked about this since the Indiana game, even Michigan state where just body language and everything, just, they don't look crisp. They don't look confident. They don't play. It's weird. It's it's weird to like t- try to describe it, but I think it's one of those things that a lot of fans, a lot of listeners out there, probably understand what we're trying to say. You know, and so, well, so here's my here's my view on it. I think they had energy for the Wisconsin game because everyone keeps saying, "Oh, they didn't have energy. They looked lifeless." They didn't. I was there. They did not look lifeless before the game. Early on in the game, there was energy, but I think, I think it was. One, a little manufactured. I think that they knew going in that they were going to need everything to fall their way to have a chance in the game because Wisconsin is much better. I think they would beat Indiana by 20, personally. Um, And then I think those two interceptions killed it. And that's exactly the kind of thing that that could absolutely cause a disaster for Michigan and Piscataway is if um, Joe Milton comes out and throws another pick. Well, then suddenly, I mean, it's 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 hard for a team that's one and three that was not expecting to be one and three to bounce back from that. And I feel like we've seen that in the bowl games where things are going fine. I think we've seen it with Michigan's uh, matchups against Ohio State, too. Things are going fine. They're in it. And then a couple breaks go the other team's way and Michigan doesn't know how to get back up. And I think. Right. That's kind of what I was. That's yeah. what I was sort of getting at. And that's happened twice. That's the last two years against Wisconsin. I kind of feel like that's what's happened, but that's where you wonder if it's, if it happens again, you know, this is, it's, it's different than Wisconsin because like you said, Michigan should, should be able to win this game regardless. But if you get down again, do they just, is it a, Hey, we can do this or is it a, oh, here we go again. You know, and then you just right. lose the mental side of the the of the game, and and all hell breaks loose after that. So yeah, it's uh, you know, I think there's a I think there's a real concern that Michigan self combusts in this game. I mean, because I think Wisconsin, you can probably chalk it up. Okay, they're a pretty good team. Indiana, so far looking like a pretty good team. Michigan State, really no excuse. Um, but you know. Maybe that I think there's a hypothesis out there that Michigan State spent two months preparing for that game. Could could be something like that. But anyway, yeah, I think there's a real possibility that things start to get ugly on the mental, maybe non X's and O's side of the game. But regardless, uh, Steve, who's a player that you're going to keep a close eye on offensively? Uh, I'm trying to think of who I posted yesterday. Uh, I, honestly, I, I am. I'm going to just say Milton again because I. this is the big debate. I, I think Michigan should start Joe Milton again on Saturday. I okay. think to uh, give him the hook last Saturday, rightfully so, and then to not give him another shot when he was apparently, you know, it was preseason named the starter. I think to just give up on the guy after one – because, again – my honest opinion, I don't care what anybody has to say. Like, I thought he played okay. I, he was not the reason they lost against Michigan State. He was not the reason they lost against Indiana. To me, he's been still ups and downs, more ups than downs, but the down against Wisconsin was the lowest, lower than any of the highs. And right. like, I, I feel like it's not much different than I thought it would go. I didn't expect him to do what he did against Wisconsin, but again, Michigan's run for how many yards the last two weeks combined, like 60 or even <laughs> go back to Michigan state. Have they even rushed for a hundred yards total 
in their well, last they, they ran for 154 against Michigan State. But, but your point is still there. They There's really no run game at all. Right. And I just think to, to go to McNamara based off of one drive. And again, very impressive drive. Very impressive. Surprising. Like, it's like really good. You know, did not expect him to come out and make three thro- consecutive throws like that. I, I just, I don't think you can just turn your back on Joe Milton after he was supposedly the guy. And again, it was a guy that I have to believe the coaches felt the same way as like, this was not going to be walk in and just take over college football. Um, you know, there are going to be some learning curves. Now they're one in three. If anything, now would be the time to let him stretch it out even more and see where it can go. That being said, short leash, right? Right. And that, so that's my thing is like, I'm not like, Hey, never play McNamara. It was like, I just think Milton should get the start again. He should get another opportunity. And if it's, you know, if it looks anything like it did last week, then you pull the plug. Then I think then you have a real quarterback competition in the, in the more, in the works, depending on how McNamara looks against Rutgers. Cause I mean, who knows? Like, you know, that one drive doesn't mean that McNamara is automatically a better quarterback and, and is the guy that's going to lead this team going forward. Uh, I just think it, you know, obviously it casts doubt or there's belief that he could be. I, I just, I'm just not big on, and we talk about kind of the logistics of, you know, what could happen if you go with McNamara and if you're Milton, you're like, oh, all right, well, this was my shot here. I'll probably just go somewhere else. And then all of a sudden you're left with, like one quarterback. Hmm. You know, I just think Michigan has to be very, very careful. It's not as if McNamara is in the, in the film room saying, I need to, st- I need to start. Like, it's like, right. I need to start, you know, like he knew going into the season, he was a backup quarterback. If anything, you know, most teammates I would expect would have Milton's back to give him another opportunity. You know, we saw the reaction from a lot of the players when it was apparent that Milton was going to be the starter, you know, on social media, a lot of excitement from his receivers and those other guys, you know, I just can't imagine that th- this whole thing is just going to do a complete 180 based on a really bad performance against a really good defense. Yeah, I I think if if I'm Jim Harbaugh, I'm alternating drives. I'm alternating drives and and declaring a make it take it rule. If you if you produce a scoring drive, you get the next one. Otherwise, if you don't score, put the other guy in and just alternate the whole game, regardless of the score, regardless of the context. Um, I, cause, cause my thing is, I don't think anyone expected Joe Milton to immediately come in and look like, you know, take over college football. I agree with you. I think that's fans might've expected that, but it's unrealistic, um, for, for the kind of player that he is at the same time, history, if you go and, and do research, you kind of. You don't know everything a quarterback is capable of by their fourth start, but Joe Milton is not young. He is not new. And now he has played four college games. And I, I I agree with you. I think people are really not giving Wisconsin's defense fair credit. They're going to do this to a few different quarterbacks, but yeah, I just, I, I really, I don't think you can completely end the Joe Milton era. But I do think if you're looking at the Penn State game, a winnable game um, for Michigan, as <laughs> as crazy as that sounds, that might be Michigan's you know second most winnable game the rest of the way. And then if you're kind of looking at, you know, you're going to have a crossover game against, you know, a very winnable crossover game. You might have a bowl game. And you have to think about next season. Both these quarterbacks can be back next season. So they really just, I, I think I said this on Sunday, they have to know who their quarterback is by the time this season ends. The rest of the way, it doesn't really matter if they alternate quarters or drives or or you know even both play in the same drive or, or whatever. But I think by the time this season wraps up, with all the talent they, they figure to be returning in 2021, it's important for them to know who it is because it can be Cade McNamara. I mean, there is a, there is a definitely a case for Cade McNamara. He produced like crazy 
in high school. He was a quarterback that several blue blood programs either were interested in or he committed to or wanted him or offered him. I mean, this is not some, he's not some nobody, you know, he was rated as a recruit, very similar to similarly to Joe Milton. He did so from a state that didn't necessarily have a ton of scouting in it in Nevada. Um, you know, he's got, he has an arm. And, and I think one thing that stands out to me is the touch and the accuracy he showed. I know it's three passes, not oblivious to the small sample size, but I don't know if Joe Milton has had any throw like that all season. I think Joe Milton's done a lot of things well, but I, I think, you know, the, the things that he was supposed to imp- have improved this off season or the things that, you know, they have tangibly said he's still working on. I don't know if he's shown quite enough progress in that regard. And so I agree with you. I think it's completely overreactive unless there's something in practice that we don't know about. It's completely an overreaction to, you know, end the, the Joe Milton era. But I do think, I, I think it's absolutely on the table to um, give Cade McNamara a fair shake on Saturday. I, I think, I think he earned it, you know, because he comes in, does the only thing Michigan did well offensively. The only thing they did well off- offensively came in that drive. And then he didn't get a chance to do it again because uh, Wisconsin went, took an eight minute drive and then it was raining pretty hard by the time he got back out there. So I'm, if I'm Jim Harbaugh, I'm thinking about alternating these guys, give them both a chance to play. Um, Cause they're both young. They're both, I think they have a combined, what, seven years of eligibility left, technically. Uh, this is not a situation that, like, get them both out of there. <laughs> like, you know, uh, they have a ch- they both have a chance to get better. But I, I do wonder, I mean, Joe Milton's still throwing those line drives basically to opposing teams. You know, he's still, he's only, he's thrown four interceptions. Steve, I don't know about you. I feel like he's had way more near interceptions than he has had near touchdowns. So posted this on the board and a pro football focus, not the end all be all, but to me, they're still, they're much better at the big picture and aren't uh, in it with every team every week to, for all the emotional aspects of it. Right. Among the 87 qualifying FBS quarterbacks in the last three weeks, Milton ranks 12th in big time throw rate. Okay. And 78th in turnover worthy play rate. So literally kind of back to what I've said is ups and downs. And I actually, and what's ironic about that. And I I don't know the definition for what they call a big time throw rate. Um, I do know that they are not focused on, the raw number, like the actual production, as far as like the, the yards, the touchdowns, the interceptions, as they are, for instance, like the third down throw on the first drive of the game against Indiana, the perfect throw to Cornelius Johnson that was a little lofted, you know, that I was like, that's a play where I'm wondering, okay, was that, did that count as a big time throw or was that a turnover worthy? You know, I was like, I don't know the definition, but still something to consider, you know, but I don't disagree. Yeah. Like, I don't disagree that I think both guys, should have earned the right to see some snaps on Saturday. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying sit back. I just think from starting the game, I think Joe Milton should be the guy to take the first snap under center when they start and then go from there. Yeah. My offensive player to watch. Um, well, I guess I probably made a pretty good case for Cade McNamara, but um, I guess pick, pick which running back I haven't said in a while. Um, we'll go with this on Haskins. I mean, Got to think at some point these guys are going to get more than five carries in a game. I I think, I don't know. I, I can't imagine they're happy. I can't imagine Michigan's happy. That, that I get that they've been down. I mean, against Wisconsin, they were down 21 nothing, two seconds into the second quarter. So they weren't going to run the ball a ton in that game. But still, um, really strange, just complete lack of run game for a team that I, I actually thought I was before the season started, I was worried they were going to run the ball too much. I was looking at the offensive line thinking, Oh, this is a run blocking line. This is a, this is a group that 
might struggle in pass pro. They have a new quarterback. I could see them doing what they did in 2018 and maybe carrying the ball too much. Well, that has not been the case. Uh, and, and the the execution hasn't been there when they have carried the ball. So, yeah, I guess Hassan Haskins, you could pick a few different players, but I, I think so far he's looked like the one, despite being the only one of those four that wasn't a four-star recruit, he's been the one that has kind of brought it the most consistently, I feel like. Um, you know, he continues that fall forward rate, shown a little bit more explosiveness this season. So he's someone, I mean, I guess we'll have to see, but he's someone I'm keeping an eye on. Like, does he, does he kind of even further assert himself as Michigan's starting running back moving forward? Defensive side of the ball, I'm going to go with, um, I'm going to go with Chris Hinton. I think he has a matchup advantage on the inside. They badly need better defensive tackle play. And I think, I think this is an opportunity for him to, you know, I talked about finding an identity or finding, finding players, finding out what they're good at. I think this is an opportunity where Chris Hinton can find out what's going to work. You know, it's, it's been kind of a rocky start to his starting tenure at Michigan, but I think this is a game where he can come in and kind of um, figure out, okay, what, what do I do? Well, what, what do I, what can I change? Just get a little bit more confidence, a little bit, get a little bit more comfort in who he is as a player. Your defensive player to watch? Uh, I'm going to go with Taylor Upshaw. Biggest reason why Hutchinson's done. Pay. We don't, we don't know for Saturday. And uh, again, I mean, this is a, not a lost season, but kind of already is a lost season starting to kind of get in the mode of like seeing what some of these younger guys can do. And you think pay and Hutchinson will both be gone next year by next year. I suspect I, I can't imagine Aiden Hutchinson's going to come back. Um, maybe though, but either way, let's just assume they both are gone. You know, one of the biggest questions is where's, how is Michigan going to replace these guys? And, and Upshaw has been a guy, you know, that, and again, I, I know we're going, I don't want to go back down that road, but it's a guy that coaches have said a lot of good things about, and so he's kind of one of the guys I'm really going to be watching on Saturday. I want to see if he has, he can do something against, you know, what you would expect to be an inferior opponent. You know, can he make some kind of impact, especially if Quiddy plays because you know, he's going to attract a ton of attention if he's on the field at all. So, um, so that's who I'm watching, you know, maybe interested, you know, does Michigan start to use a guy like David Ajabo a little bit more, uh, you know, what do you say? Like, Second half last week was the first sack or turnover in five halves for Michigan. Yeah. You got to think they got to start. You know, Jabo's deal was putting him at that Sam rush end type spot as a guy to try to get to the quarterbacks. Like, I think you got to start trying to mix, you know, those types of players in a little bit more if they're going to be a try to build any confidence for, for like future, the future when maybe they're again playing some games that really like matter, matter. So, you know, couple guys like that really are kind of the ones I'm looking at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'd be interesting because Ajabo, um, I mean, he's from Scotland, but he played his high school ball in New Jersey. Rutgers actually put him on the map because they offered him before he had even played a college football game. Uh, you know, just saw him at a track meet, said, you should play football. By the way, here's a scholarship offer. So um, kind of an interesting story there. We're going to take a quick break. On the other side, we'll do our over-unders and we'll do our hunches for the game along with our final predictions. This is the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. 
Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now. Uh, so our over-unders, they're brought to you by, I say it like it's a sponsor, but um, no, they're from via Azul on our message board, Neil on Twitter. Um, here we go. Last week, you got seven out of 11 right. I got six out of 11 right. So you have a overall lead of 26 to 25 out of 50. So use that caution. That's a caution, you know, before you... Put, take these to the uh, to the bookies. But on offense, Michigan quarterbacks complete 10 and a half passes of 10 yards or more. I'm going to say the under because I, I do think Michigan will have a lead. I don't think they'll need to throw 10 and a half passes of 10 yards or more. Your thoughts, Steve? Uh, I'll go with the over. I, I think um, while it, it's like here we are assuming they'll be leading uh, just doesn't even feel right at this point. But uh I still think it's a, they're in a deal where they may be leading. Maybe they will try to keep running the football, but I, to me, I think you got to keep doing everything because the offense hasn't shown consistency in any facet. So I think they'll keep, I think they'll keep mixing it up regardless of where the game is at. I think they'll, I think they'll get there. Number two, Michigan passes on 30% of second downs. This has been something I don't have the exact numbers in front of me. Very strange second down offense and and it was it's especially strange because josh gaddis was asked about it before the season and he explicitly said you know we we want to be more aggressive in passing on second downs like that was actually one of the things he said he uh reflected on during the the pandemic i don't know what the exact number is i'm gonna say over just because i i feel like at some point they they just have to change their trend right but could be wrong there your thoughts uh, I'm going to go with the over as well I, for the same reasons. I mean, I, they got to do something different at some point. And, and not only that is like second and five is different than second and 10. And I feel like they've been in second and long a lot and making, making the runs even more mis- like just nonsensical. So, you know, whether I does either way, I, I just can't see him continuing to try to, you know, run the football on, on second down the way they have until it changes. I mean, maybe if they find some success early, they'll stick with it, but they haven't found really much, if any success. Doing I was going to so say, long. that's that's the that's the key, is that it's just not working, uh, what they're doing right now. So, percent is not especially high. I mean, even a second and four, that's a, that's a passing down, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, um, depends on the game situation, of course. But, all right, next one. Another one that's like they haven't done it yet, so part of me is skeptical that they'll do it at all. 15 and a half touches for Charbonnet and Haskins. I know I mentioned Haskins as my offensive player to watch. I So I know I just had the reverse logic for the second downs. I just, I don't know. I, I feel like they're going to stick to the rotation. Um, slash, if they are doing a quarterback battle, then they might not give these guys that many touches i'm gonna to take the under your thoughts man it's crazy to think that the under is probably that would be like the betting favorite right um answer me this because i'm trying to think out loud here how often have they run two back sets the last three weeks like they did against minnesota because i feel like that was really effective stuff and i don't feel like there's been as much of it the last yeah, couple of weeks i don't Right, I, I mean, I, it hasn't stood out to me, okay. so that would make me think that it's not that common. Right. Um. Yeah, I got to go with the under. I I agree. I mean, and to be fair, I do think Blake Corum does deserve to see some snaps still. Um. And and Chris Evans, like right, I don't that, think it's, it's weird. Yeah. It, it's a, it's a, it's um. And not try this like classic Michigan where the strength is turning into a weakness almost in a certain way where it's like they have four guys that are actually really talented backs. They're just not really maybe dispersing them. I'll tell you what, if if they were a pro team, I don't mean this as a dig to the to the individual players. 
they probably would have traded away two of these backs yeah, yep, to get like a defensive tackle sure. or a guard or something like that or no. corner. Yeah. But they've also gotten down quickly too. So there hasn't like, so it's a, it's a, it's a whole like Pandora's box of problems. You know, it's like, how do you disperse the carries to begin with? Well, you're losing by two touchdowns after three drives. So you're not really, you know, you're already abandoning the run early when you try to run, it's not working. You know, it's like, there's nothing it's to me, it's quietly been the biggest problem for Michigan this year is just not a run game. That's not even capable of keeping the defenses honest, you know, and I think it's put more and more pressure on the quarterback and receivers to try to make plays, um, you know, but yeah, with Charbonnet, I mean, I got to go under just because I agree. I think you're still going to see Corum. I think you'll still see Evans, you know, and, and we don't know. And we, there's not enough confidence in me to believe Michigan is going to get far enough ahead to want to run the football more and more. Right. I think it's going to stay pretty balanced because I, while I do expect them to win, I don't necessarily think they're going to like blow them out of the water. Yeah, it is very interesting. Everyone's down on the running back rotation. Um or using a rotation instead of just picking one guy. Michigan hasn't had a lead since October 24th. Like it's what, you know, they've lost three straight. Everyone knows that, but like they haven't even led in those games. So there was never really a situation where they were trying to push the ball on the ground. Um, That's crazy to go a month without having a lead, but yeah, I'm going to take the under, um, Next one, 49.5 yards for longest play from scrimmage. Do they get a play from scrimmage of 50 yards or more? Just playing the game in my head. I think they do. I. It's, it's interesting because Rutgers probably actually recruits similarly to Indiana, um, Michigan State. Maybe not quite to Wisconsin's level. I I don't have the team talent composite out in front of me, but I just feel like, I feel like they have some, some holes that would allow Michigan's offense to, to go big. Plus they can maybe take a few shots. They'll be in that. Like, you know, I think about like a second and one, they can, they probably feel good about getting that the first down on third down if they need to, so they can sling it downfield. I think they get one one play of 50 yards or more. I, don't, I think they've only had two or three so far this season. Um, but maybe that's a hunch. I feel like they do it. Your thoughts? No, I do too. I think at some point in the game, I think they hit a big play. Not sure how, not sure who, but I do think they hit one. All right, next one. Seven and a half targets for all tight ends. Jeez, can I go first? Yeah, go ahead. I'm actually gonna go under. Uh, maybe not. I mean, maybe they they. I just how many games do you? You know, that's the other thing I wrote in my players to watch because Nick Eubanks was one of them. Is again, you talk about the running game quite like the tight end play quietly has been very very poor to begin the season in my opinion between the drops. And then also, I know Luke Schoonmaker really struggled blocking in the goal line situations that Michigan had last weekend as well. It's just not been a good start for another unit that I think there was a lot of optimism for, but I think rightfully so too, though. I don't think it was blind optimism, you know, for that for us to have some expectations for that group. So I'm I'm gonna go under. Uh just I just think they'll start to you know disperse the ball in some other directions. You know, it could be wrong here. Obviously, I think this one's gonna be might end up being a close one, but I'm gonna go with under. I'm gonna go. Hmm. I was gonna go under, but then I kind of talked myself into going over. They've actually only gone over on this, I think, once this season. They had 12 against Michigan State targets to the tight ends. They only had three. It looks like against Indiana. And then last week they had, well, last week they had seven. So technically under, but close enough. I'll take, 
Uh, I'll take the under. I mean, I could see them. You know, we talk about the Michigan's trying, maybe might try to build some confidence, build some rhythm in this game. So I could see them kind of trying to get Eric all's confidence back a little bit. I don't think, yeah, he had um, two catches for one yard last week on four targets. I mean, is this a game where they try to, cause I, he's, he's maybe similar to Vincent gray. Did Michigan maybe overhype him in the off season? It's possible. It's very possible. I don't think they did it based off nothing though. Clearly he has looked good. He has shown good hands, good playmaking ability at some point. So is this a game where they try to give him, give him something where giving no, or give him something where like he's flying home, like, Hey, you know, I'm back, whatever I was going through. It's, it's, it's done. It's in the past, but I am going to say under, I I think just, I mean, I can't say that they're going to run the ball more and then say they're going to target the tight ends eight times. Right. You know, when they have all these receivers, all these running backs. So, um, I'll take the under as well. Switching. Oh, no, one more. Michigan has four and a half drives of at least 40 yards. I'm taking the over on this one. I think they'll be able to move the football. I agree. I fully agree. I mean, I think even Illinois got over 30 points against Rutgers. Um, Michigan State had, what, 27 points, and they had seven turnovers. Obviously, Indiana had 38 points. Ohio State had, well, it doesn't even matter. They It was over 40 <laughs> Ohio State had. So I, I think, I mean, I, I do think Rutgers defense brings more to the table, but I, I, I think I'd be, I'd be really surprised if Michigan didn't have five drives of at least 40 yards. Um, that said, last week they had one, two drives three drives of at least 40 yards. So even against Wisconsin, they had three. So I'm going to take the over on that one. Defensive side of the ball, Michigan Rutgers quarterbacks average 6.0 yards per pass attempt. So I assume it'll be mostly Noah Vidral. I believe he's a Texas tech transfer. Art Sikowski could get in there. I don't know if they have another quarterback. Oh, Johnny, Johnny Langan, another trans. I think he's a transfer, isn't he? I, um, I don't know. <laughs> Should I know who Rutgers third string quarterback is? I was kind of just thinking about this. Like, <laughs> I think every my year by not doing my job, who, if they know, if I know who the third stringer is for them, or I think every year Michigan sees the Rutgers third string quarterback. <laughs> that's so that's true. <laughs> but your thoughts, 6.0 yards per pass attempt. Oh boy over but slightly i think this will be one that's it'll be close but over maybe michigan gives up a couple big plays in the passing game that maybe push that number a little bit over i agree with you about uh they have a couple good skill players Rutgers does yeah bo melton even get pacheco the ball out of the backfield yeah you know as a guy that could do some damage so i'll I'll say over by slightly it won't be like they'll blow that number away though uh so by the way Noah Vidral this season has thrown 129 times. He is averaging 5.6 yards per pass attempt. Art Sikowski has thrown the ball 13 times, has averaged 4.8 yards per pass attempt. Johnny Langan, the third stringer officially, has... Am I reading this right? He has completed five of five passes for negative one yards. So negative 0.2 yards per pass attempt. Who completes five passes for negative one yards? But uh, anyway, I'm going to take the under. I mean, they're not even doing it against anyone else. I got to think, well, I guess Michigan's defense is probably worse than the ones that they've played so far. But still, um, I I think the completion percentage being down is going to lower the yards per pass attempt. Yards per completion, I think, could be relatively high. For Rutgers, I agree with you. I, I I like Pacheco. He might quietly might be the best running back, other than the best running back Michigan has faced uh, since Week One when they played Minnesota. But yeah, Bo Melton, Aaron Crookshank, Wisconsin transfer, um, and then Pacheco 
as well. Players who can make plays. Next, over under 99.5 yards rushing allowed to Pacheco. Thoughts? Under. God, I think they'd step up in some aspect. I'll say under. Yeah, I'm going to take the under as well. I, I think a lot can be said about Ruck, or Wisconsin's rushing attack. I don't think Michigan is actually a bad defense against the run. Despite what those numbers say, I am fully aware of them. But I think that was more Wisconsin has five returning starting offensive linemen because they actually brought somebody out of retirement. I didn't, I didn't realize. Um, but no, they have a very experienced offensive line. They've got tight ends who can block at an NFL level. I mean, they had a, they had a backup receiver run for a bunch of yards. So, so to me, I think as long as Michigan has the edge over the opposing offensive line, I think they will be able to stop the run. But, and I, I think they have that this week. So that's not to say I'm not going to sit here and say they'll stop the run against Ohio state or that they'll stop the run against Penn state even necessarily. But I think, I think Rutgers is a team that they can, they can limit. Plus Pacheco's really maybe the guy Michigan's circling the most on the game plan. They're not going to be caught off guard by Rutgers. You know, it's not, it's not like Wisconsin where they weren't necessarily, they were circling Mertz. They were circling Jake Ferguson. They were circling, um, you know, some of the receivers and then, some, then the running backs explode, you know, they, they, I, th- I think they'll be able to shut down Pacheco mainly because I think they have an advantage over Rutgers defensive or offensive line. Excuse me. Uh, five and a half tackles for loss by the entire defense. This has been a surprising low point for Michigan's defense. I think coming into the season, I thought the front seven would get a lot of TFLs has not been the case. Do they get six or more on Saturday? Oh boy. Um, I'll still say under almost a push. Maybe get like five. I don't think they get over though, especially if Quiddy doesn't pay play again. I think they're, they might struggle to get, you know, and is there enough trust in Michigan's linebackers to make those plays right now either? I mean, that's kind of the other question. Um, a couple of those guys got to take some big steps forward this week for, for me to feel confident that, you know, they're going to make the right read. To, to get a guy behind the line of scrimmage because that's yeah huge, that's very huge, true been a huge yeah. huge problem so far so I'll say under but slightly so far this season Michigan is 113th nationally averaging just four tackles for loss per game so actually to your point four or five is not necessarily out of the norm for them Rutgers is allowing an average of 7.3 per game. I'm going to take the under. I think I think Rutgers I just mentioned I think Michigan will have the line advantage against Rutgers offensive line. But I, I think I think with Pacheco, I think with some of those skill players, I think they're going to try to do the Indiana Michigan State game plan which was just get rid of the ball ASAP. You know, don't try to drop back and impress anybody with a 40-yard bomb. Um try to get rid of the ball, you know, quicker drops quicker routes just avoid avoid the the drive altering sack or tackle for loss could see both sides of it that's a that's an interesting one but i'm gonna take the under michigan allows a touchdown to be scored on 60.5 percent of red zone opportunities and and neil brings up an interesting stat steve so far this season michigan has allowed a touchdown on 15 of 18 red zone opportunities so far. So they are not forcing field goals at a, at a high clip at all. Not a lot of goal line stops in the past. I would say, I don't know if Rutgers will even get enough red zone opportunities. I think there have been games. Michigan has played against Rutgers where Rutgers didn't get a red zone opportunity, but 60.5% or more Steve, your thoughts. I'll still say I think they get I think they do it. I think they hold them under the 60%. So, I it's, you're right, it's been a huge. And that's a good stat, 15 out of 18. That is that is 
bad. I mean, that's, I wonder yeah. what that would be. I wonder what that would be nationally. He talked about the tackles for a loss number. I wonder what that number would be nationally. So um, I think they do it this Saturday though. Just a hunch. I mean, there's nothing really there. I mean, I just think Michigan gets, I do think they get better play overall. Like I said, I'm picking them under on the tackles for loss, but I think maybe the defensive backfield, which again, I think all things considered, and I know Wisconsin was able to run the ball at will. I still think Michigan's defensive backs played a better game by and large uh, when given the opportunity against Wisconsin. Uh, so maybe they can build off of that, make a couple plays. Heck, maybe even force a turnover or two. That would be nice. So I forgot what those look like. Yeah, it's, it's, it just feels like uh, between watching them and the Lions, it's been, you know, it's like nothing turnover wise. Uh, so, uh, but I'll say under 60%. I will take the under as well. I don't know why. Sorry, sorry that some of these we just don't have an answer. I think this game is absolutely as big of a wild card game as there's been this season. You know, obviously, uh, the Michigan State game didn't go necessarily as we expected heading into the podcast, and, and I think we predicted wins for Michigan in the Indiana game, but I at least knew what how Indiana could win. And I knew, I guess I didn't totally know, but I, we kind of foresaw some of the areas Michigan state really succeeded in. Not totally sure what Rutgers, what this is going to look like, because I think it's so dictated by how well Michigan sticks together or not. So anyway, next one, 49.5 yards in defensive penalties. So just the defensive side of the ball, but penalties obviously been a big issue for Michigan. I'm going to take the under. I think that the, I think the grabbing is, I thought I felt like it changed a little bit last week. Rutgers might try to draw it more than Wisconsin, but I'm going to take the under. I think those are kind of things I think, especially new starters get better at. They start to, because it's hard to call penalties accurately in practice um, or accurately to what the officials would call them in games. But I think, I think over the course of a season, players will get better though. They can kind of improve on those habits that they developed in the off season. I'm going to take the under. Uh, yeah, I'll take the under also. Uh, that's a, another one though. What's that? Three pass interferences and a defensive holding would put them over. Right? Yeah, True. So that would be a lot though. I know, but (laughs) when it rains, it pours, I guess. But I I mean, I'm saying that I'm saying that while I'm taking the under, I don't think they get there, but uh, you can't say it's not conceivable though. (laughs) Yeah. And here's the other thing. And this is not, you know, it's like, we can't say anything like positive without people claiming that we're making excuses. I do think the officiating has been a little crappy so far, as far as Michigan is concerned. I think there've been, you know, some inconsistency in how those calls have been made going either way. You know, I think Michigan's gotten some ticky-tack ones on the edge, and I think they haven't gotten them in a couple instances where they should have. So I it could, so point being, it may depend on what crew and how they decide to call the game early, you know, because that's really – you go back to the Michigan State game, that was, was like they were calling that game tighter than I've seen Michigan get called in the defensive backfield in a long time, you know? So, um, right. You know, so it might depend on who it is, but either way, I'm still going to go with the under. I think I do agree. I think it's a unit that, like I said, a little bit better last week than we've seen them and and maybe could be the start, you know, maybe of a gradual, you know, growth period or, or something like that. Yeah. I, I would be curious. We'll, we'll never get a full answer on this. Like what those official meetings are like because it it is it does seem like they're calling some penalties more than others, and that's not a Michigan thing. That's just in general. And I know John Beeline used to always talk about that, like beginning of the season, all these refs they they kind of overthink over the off season what they view the rules as, and and then in these meetings rewatching the game, they're kind of like, ah, I probably didn't need to call that one. Um, but I don't have a cool number for like how penalties are called over the course of a season, but. I've, I feel like I've noticed that not just with Michigan, but with other big 10 games I've seen um, final one, Michigan has a lead for at least 35 minutes of the game. So we'll call it a 34 59 time leading the game. 
I mentioned they have not led since October 24th when they when they beat Minnesota. Steve, your thoughts on how much of this game they have a lead for? Oh. Um, I'll still say I'll say over. I think Michigan avoids the slow start on Saturday. That's my instinct. I think they avoid the slow start. I think they play a little bit better in the trenches. I think they get out to a lead and maybe don't hold it the whole game. Maybe there's, you know, but I just, I, I feel pretty comfortable in going with the over on this one. Hmm. I don't want to agree with you on this many. Cause I, I got some ground to make up. Well, I guess I'm only behind by one. Aren't I? Yeah. 26 to 25. I feel like it's going to be right around 35. I, I, I actually think they are going to have a bit of a slow start, but I think that they're going to be in a comfortable situation for most of the game. I'll, I'll go ahead and take the over. I'll take the over. That's, that's fine. Um, so those are our over-unders. Finally, uh, we'll each share our hunches for the game. I have a feeling or I have a hunch that blank, and then we'll do our final game prediction steve what's your hunch in this game yes kind of to sort of half repeat what i just said i think michigan i think they avoid the slow start on saturday i think they play a little bit better in the trenches i think you see them run the football a little bit better again i don't think this is going to be a deal where here's the be frank no matter what michigan does on saturday even if they come out and play their most complete game it's not going to change my opinion on the overall deal, you know, unless I mean, the only thing what I'll be looking for personally is seeing how some certain individuals play and, and whether or not we're gonna, we're seeing growth there, you know, because I think I would, I think we'd all agree no matter how good or bad Michigan plays in this game, people, it's not going to like change any opinions or change. Any oh, they out- could win by 15 and it'd be like, Oh, it's Rutgers. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So it's not going to change yeah. any outlooks or anything. So my, my biggest aim in this game personally watching it is just to see how some certain individuals play. Obviously the quarterback situation would be interesting to see, you know, does Zach Charbonnet take off? Uh, you mentioned Chris Hinton earlier, another guy that we've kind of been waiting to, you know, and, and Rutgers is the kind of opponent where you think Michigan, some of these talented guys should be able to, you know, get some opportunities and do something with them. So you know, I, I suspect Michigan, like I said, avoids a slow start. I think they play better up front on both sides. I say a relatively comfortable win. I think Michigan covers. I'm going to say something like, let's say like 35 to 21. Okay. My hunch was not actually specific to the game at large. I, I don't think Michigan's going to leave this game knowing who its starting quarterback is going to be moving forward. I think, I think the door has been cracked for Cade McNamara. I think he's going to open it, but I don't think it's going to be. I think it. I think Michigan's going to be in a really tough situation. Could be. Could be wrong. This is just my hunch, but I. I think. I think McNamara just knowing, kind of his ascent and that he missed a lot of last season to kind of show what he could do. I think. I think publicly he was counted out in that quarterback battle. He made it closer. Um. You know, at first it kind of sounded like coaches were just saying that to be nice, but then it kind of sounded legit. And then I I personally think his three throws, kind of crazy, it's like his three throws, but his three throws against Wisconsin were, I mean, those looked like, those looked like they were throws from a quarterback who has chemistry, who has the trust of his receivers, who has, you know, the touch and the arm strength to make a lot of throws. Like those didn't look like, Oh wow! Look, the backup quarterback's doing something. It it looked like the offense was comfortable with Cade McNamara out there, and so um, part of me wonders if McNamara will pass Milton. But because because I don't think there's any way he completely passes Milton in one week, my hunch is that they go into Penn State with the exact same problem, where they they aren't sure who's going to be starting at quarterback the rest of the way. Coincidentally, Penn State also could be in that exact same dilemma. Uh, I know they have a bit of a quarterback battle situation issue, whatever you want to call it on their hands. Uh, as far as the game, I, I do think this is a confidence building game for Michigan. I, I think they're I think they are better than Illinois, who beat Rutgers. Um, the margins have been close. Rutgers has quietly scored 
38, 21, 27, and 20 points in their four games. Last season, they averaged 5.7 points per game in the entire Big Ten season. So not even a touchdown per game. So I'm going to go, I mean, I don't think it'll be, it's not going to be like what it, what Michigan Rutgers has been in the past. I just think, I I think Michigan, well, I think they've been trying to dig their, their cleats in a little bit and reestablish themselves. I think they actually have the talent and ability advantage to do so in this game. I'm going to say Michigan 36 Rutgers 20. That's asking for a lot of field goals. Don't don't worry about it. It'll it'll work out. I uh, know, but but Michigan 26 or 36 Rutgers 20 is my final score prediction. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, this is as wide open of a of a game as as any I think this season. Um so stay tuned over at the Michigan Insider Michigan.247sports.com for preview coverage. I'll be there in Piscataway. Actually, my first trip to Rutgers. Uh, fun fact. Um, in the past, I, I didn't go because it was supposed to be such a lopsided game. I was like, ah, I don't know if that's if it's needed. But um, <laughs> regardless, I'll be there for some live on the scene coverage. Obviously, we'll have there's some injury updates that will dictate how this game goes. We'll have our post game podcast. Um, on Sunday, lots of stuff. Check out everything over at the Michigan insider.com, Michigan.247sports.com. Throw us a, a like, subscribe, rating, share with your friends if you like this podcast. Um, for Steve Lorenz, I'm Zach Shaw. This has been the Wolverine 24 7 podcast. Hope you had fun. Hope you learned something. We'll see you next time. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount+. Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount+, Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.